0: Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Wednesday, August 10th. And here are some of the stories we are covering. Vote counting has begun in Kenya following Tuesday's presidential election.
1: Voting was uh, a little bit uh, turbulent beginning the early hours of the day on Tuesday ostensibly because in a number of polling stations, the ballot boxes arrived late.
0: Mohamed Yusuf will also report on the end of voting in Kenya. We will look at how unregulated election campaign spending might have marginalized youth and women in Kenyan politics. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken arrives in the DRC with regional stability to top his agenda. Nigerians praise London Museum's decision to return precious artifacts. Nigeria's military says it has captured four suspects of the June Church massacre. But some citizens are skeptical.
2: Anyone following the stories going on in Nigeria will know that there are deep trust issues between the citizens and the government. No pictures, no videos. How do you expect people
0: to believe that? And the Biden White House defers to the Justice Department questions about the FBI search of former President Trump's residence. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. has begun in Kenya following Tuesday's presidential and parliamentary elections. Four candidates are vying for the presidency, among them Raila Odinga and Deputy President William Ruto. The US Vincent Mankore is in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, covering the vote. He says things went smoothly on Tuesday except for delays at a few polling stations.
1: Thank you very much, uh, James. Voting was uh, a little bit uh, turbulent beginning the early hours of the day on Tuesday Ostensibly because in a number of polling stations, the ballot boxes arrived late. So while the voters were eager and went to the polling station, some as early as 4 a.m., some as early as 5 a.m., there were quite a number of uh, voting stations where the balloting started perhaps three hours later. And that was uh, a cause of so much frustration among a number of voters. But otherwise, uh, besides the delay, in many of the places that we went to, the voters said the process was generally smooth. Once it started going, everything seemed to work well. Not for everybody, because we had a a little breakdown in some polling stations of the electronic uh, system called kim's this is the system that is supposed to identify somebody it has everybody's biometrics but in some polling stations it wasn't working it wasn't recognizing people's names and identities which affected even the running mate of uh, deputy president uh, william ruto he couldn't find his name in his voting area the presidential candidate George georgia couldn't find his name for a long time and this happened to a number of citizens across the country But officials explained that it was all technical issues.
0: Coming into the election on Tuesday, the Independent Electoral Commission had touted the idea of new technology injected into the voting process. Now, based on what you're saying, did it help or did it, in some areas, malfunction? Was there any problem with this new technology?
1: That's exactly what was uh, the cause of a lot of frustration, because... People had so much confidence because the electoral commission had assured people that the system had been tested, it was working perfectly, and it would make the process smoother and faster. But instead, it slowed down the process in a number of polling stations because it just wasn't working.
0: So, Vincent... To cast their ballots. Vincent, before I let you go, uh, when are the uh, results expected and would this delay or these delays have any impact on when the final results are expected to be announced?
1: You know, technically, delays have happened even in the past. Uh, there shouldn't be a delay because of that, because uh, the counting is supposed to have started immediately after the process of uh, voting had ended, and therefore it's assumed that where where the process worked well and polling stations closed overnight on Tuesday, the counting started, throughout today, Wednesday, and therefore, ideally, unless otherwise, there should be results being announced within the stipulated time of three days. But if there are some extreme, extenuating circumstances, then perhaps there will be some legal intervention. We will be informed. So far, that has not been pronounced.
0: Vizan, thank you so much. Again, it's a pleasure speaking with you. We'll keep in touch and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you James. That's is Vincent Makore speaking from the Kenyan capital Nairobi. Polls have closed across Kenya for presidential, legislative and local elections and it appears things have gone smoothly despite some irregularities in the early hours of voting. Mohamed Yusuf reports
3: some Kenyan voters remained in line to register their votes after the polls closed across the country at 5 p.m. local time. In some polling centres, vote counting already is underway. Kenya recorded a 30% voter turnout six hours after the polls opened and the Kenya Electoral Commission said it expected a total voter turnout of about 60%. At least 22 million people are eligible to vote. The Commission conducted most voter identification using the integrated election systems that help identify the voters. Some voters across the country report biometric voter registration was not working or was taking a long time to identify voters. The electoral agency says 238 polling stations out of 46,232 used manual registers to identify voters, allowing at least 100,000 voters to cast their ballots. Election of two governors and four parliamentary seats was suspended because of errors printed on the ballots. The voters in two counties and four constituencies expressed their displeasure with the electoral agency order. One candidate for parliament was arrested for allegedly fighting at a polling station and another parliamentary candidate was said to be in possession of machetes at a voting centre. President Uhuru Kenyatta's administration is coming to an end and Tuesday's voting will result in a new government. The presidential results are expected to trickle in as soon as the polling stations count the ballots. The Electoral Commission has seven days to announce the presidential vote winner. The president-elect must get a 50% vote to take charge of the government and the country's affairs. Mohamed Yusuf, for VA News, Nairobi.
0: Candidates in Kenya's August 9th presidential election and their campaigns spent heavily in often lavish displays of wealth. Despite economic wars and a massive rich poor gap, spending in Kenya's election was among the highest in the world, raising concerns about its impact on the nation's democratic development. Juma Majanga reports from Nairobi.
4: Ground, the lavish display of wealth in Kenya's August 9 elections is almost unmatched, say experts. Tom Wolf is an American pollster and political
3: researcher in Nairobi. Kenyan elections are among the most expensive in the world in terms of the cost per vote by the uh, electoral management body, our, our IEBC, but also in terms of on the ground financing.
4: Derek Mahandia, a program officer at Transparency International Kenya, agrees. It would cost you uh, a bit more than uh, 4 billion uh, Kenyan shillings just to become a president. 4 billion shillings is about 33.5 million US dollars. A race for governor runs about $336,000 and a bid for parliament, roughly 168,000, according to Transparency International Kenya. Critics say the high cost of running for political office in Kenya has been a barrier for many women, the young, and persons living with disabilities. Beth Nguni is running for parliament in Kerenyaga County, her fourth attempt as an independent. She says it is too costly to run as a candidate for a political party because of the high nomination fee
5: required. The higher the seat, the higher the money they demand. And you've got to give them, because if you don't give them, they won't even allow you to address the gatherings.
4: Political campaigns around the world are inherently expensive. But observers say in Kenya, campaigns are largely unchecked and unregulated. Because many people live below the poverty line, observers say, Voters are more susceptible to bribery by wealthy politicians, fueling a cycle of government corruption. Here again is Derek Mahandia. Because of this unregulated spending, uh, those in power always look towards corruption as a reliable source of money for their campaigns. Because they cannot afford to use their money. That would be too risky. What if they failed? Kenya's 2010 constitution requires the country's electoral body the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission to develop campaign financing and spending regulations. All attempts by the Commission have been rejected by Parliament. Unless checks and balances are put in place, observers say politics in Kenya will largely remain a preserve of the rich. Juma, Majanga for VOA News, Nairobi.
0: To Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Wednesday, August 10th. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in the Democratic Republic of Congo on Tuesday to raise concerns that tensions with neighboring Rwanda could spread instability in the region. Political analysts say the United States is also concerned about Russia and China's access to rare earth minerals in the DRC. Victoria Amunga reports from BOE 's Africa News Center in Nairobi.
5: The top priority during the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's two-day stay in Congo is pushing for peace between DRC and Rwanda, which Kinshasa accuses of backing militia groups. Blinken is in the DRC in his second trip to Africa as the top U.S. diplomat. The trip follows a visit by Russian counterpart Sergei Lavrov, which was his first to Congo. Analysts say the Cold War rivals are vying for influence in the DRC, which is marred with violence and conflicts in its east because of the region's rare minerals. Masharia Muneni is an expert on international relations.
4: The strategic uh, resources, minerals, and other critical ones that are used for industrial development as well as uh, weaponry and uh, technology, and Congo is extremely rich in these things. So whoever can um, deny those things to other people becomes very powerful.
5: Munene says the conflicts in Congo are destabilizing the country, along with neighboring Rwanda and, by extension, other nearby nations. He says the issue is of concern to the United States.
4: You never know who is going to come up and take advantage of the situation Uh, to the detriment of the U.S. interest. Now, there's a destabilizing force, not just in eastern Congo, but uh, in the Rwanda maybe a bit of Burundi.
5: Another top issue amid the long standing rivalry between DRC and Rwanda is the re emergence of M23 rebels. King Shasa says Kigali is backing the rebels, but Rwanda has repeatedly denied the allegations. Congo's army, along with the United Nations mission in Congo known as MONUSCO, defeated the M23 in 2013. In November of last year, its forces began to reappear. Their reappearance is threatening human rights in Congo, according to the United Nations. Separately, Amnesty International's advocacy director for Africa, Kate Hickson, says the U.S. should remain focused on rights issues. Blinken's visit is welcome engagement, but
6: only if he raises human rights issues with his Congolese and Rwandan counterparts. The fact that this is Blinken's second visit to the continent two years into his tenure demonstrates the importance of
5: the DRC to U.S. human rights policy. Congolese officials say such high-profile visits to the DRC are raising hope that their country is beginning to attract developed nations. Congo's presidential advisor, Jean-Jacques Elaka, told VOA that such renewed interest could help King Shasa get back on its feet. He says his coming shows Congo is beginning to be attractive. I can't begin to mention leaders from nations all over the world who have visited Congo this year and last year. There were many. Secretary Blinken is scheduled to conclude Africa Tour Thursday in Rwanda. He has already visited South Africa on his trip. Victoria Amunga for VOA News, Nairobi.
0: A member of the Christian Association of Nigeria says many Nigerians are skeptical of the announcement by the military that it has arrested five suspects in the June 5th massacre of 50 worshippers at the St. Francis Catholic Church in Undo State. Nigeria Chief of Defense Staff, General Loki Irabo, told journalists that the suspects are members of the Islamic State of West Africa, also known as ISLAP. He says the military cannot present the suspects to the public because investigations is continuing. Reverend Paul Baja is the senior pastor at the Strong House Abuja and the chair of the Strong Foundation Ministries of Nigeria. He tells me that Nigerians do not trust their government, especially without photos of the arrested suspects.
2: Well, it remains to be proved. Anyone following the stories going on in Nigeria will know that there are deep trust issues between the citizens and the government. Immediately, the massacre happened without providing any evidence. A statement was released by the government that ISWAP was responsible. ISWAP did not claim responsibility. There was no proof that was given to the people to show that it was ISWAP. There are different kinds of groups that, you know, uh, harass and terrorize Nigeria. And um, people did not believe them because there was nothing credible about that statement. Now you come after two months and tell us that um, you have caught the people no pictures no videos no proof of any kind how do you expect people to believe that and it has taken you two months to fish out and after the two months you don't have any credible proof to authenticate that statement and so in the absence of that nigerians don't believe the statements of the chief of defense staff
0: but the chief of defense staff says he would have presented those arrested but because the investigation is still continuing
2: So Nigerians will wait. Let them finish their investigations. Why were they in a hurry to tell us that if they were not prepared to share evidence? So right now, everyone's fingers are crossed. So if they say so, we will not believe or disbelieve them. When they are done with their investigations, let them bring the proof to us and show us who those people really are. There is a suspicion amongst a lot of Nigerians when it comes to the identity of those people. And you will recall also that in the last few years, very sadly, even the president has held forth for them, almost as their spokesman. And so Nigerians always will be questioning, why is the president covering and defending for Boko Haram? Why is he reaching out to them to, in quote, rehabilitate them when the victims of the terror are not rehabilitated, are not fed, are not sheltered, are not cared for. But you will go out and take terrorists and tell us you are rehabilitating them. That is a lot of hocus pocus as far as many Nigerians are concerned. So you see the burden of proof rests on the government. So Nigerians are watching. They are waiting for the the chief of defense staff to bring the proof.
0: Thank you so much again, Pastor. It's very nice to talk with you as usual.
2: Thank you, James. It's always a joy talking with you, Chief.
0: Reverend Polika Baja is the member of the Christian Association of Nigeria, speaking from Abuja. Nigeria has welcomed a decision by London's Hernima Museum to return dozens of artifacts looted by British troops from the Kingdom of Benin during the 19th century. Nigerian authorities said they are also working to return stolen relics together with counterparts across the world, including the British Museum, which holds many more culturally significant objects. Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja.
7: The 72 artifacts that the Horny Man Museum agreed to return include 12 of the famous Benin bronzes, symbolic of the ancient Benin Kingdom in southern Nigeria. The museum said in a statement Sunday it was moral and appropriate to return the artifacts, stating the objects were taken by force during the British military invasion of Nigeria in 1897. Nigerian authorities have praised the gesture. The National Commission for Museums and Monuments said it is a breakthrough after a meeting with the museum authorities in March this year, and they say they are looking forward to loan agreements and collaborations with the museum. Babatunde Adebiyi is a legal director at the Museum Commission. We are simply very happy for Honeyman Museums and Garden to have kept their words. They have made a just determination of the issue by returning these antiquities. Some of these antiquities might be loaned to Honeyman Museum for a period. For years, Nigeria has been negotiating the return of thousands of looted artifacts to their cultural bases in the southern part of Nigeria. The antiquities were mostly taken from the palace of the Benin Kingdom during the colonial era. As more are returned, authorities aim to set up a museum in Benin to store them, says Adebiyi. We are proposing and working hard towards having a royal museum in Benin City, near the Oba's Palace. All these things are meant to house these antiquities. Apart from that, museums like Lagos Museum can provide adequate facilities. Nigeria Center for Liberties Ariodari Atoye welcomes the development. It's a good development for art
0: and culture in our nation, in Africa. It's a welcome idea that they decide to do this. Uh, a lot of people believe this ought to have been done uh, decades ago. Uh, it is better late than never. It's also an opportunity to boost our cultural and tourism sector.
7: Abuja resident Abdullahi Okugia also welcomes the move. It will add value to our museum. Most of us read these things in the book who have not actually touched them, seen them. In July, German authorities signed an agreement with Nigeria and began the process to return up to 1,100 Benin bronzes to Nigeria, the most by a European country. However, Atoyi raises concerns about Nigeria's readiness and expertise to properly manage and preserve these artifacts. He also calls for monetary compensation as well.
4: What have we benefited from the ones that have been recovered? Ordinarily, the return of this artifact ought to have come with apology. Number two, with reparation. Money have been
0: made through this artifact in some of these countries, like the UK. If we're unable
4: to make good use of the ones we have recovered, even Nigerians will be disinterested in the recovery. Of the ones left
7: over in the UK or any part of the world. Nigeria has more than 50 national museums, and authorities are looking to set up more. Authorities and citizens are hoping the returns trigger more museums around the world to do the same, especially the British Museum in London, which holds by far the largest and most significant collection of Nigerian cultural artifacts. Tim Fiyobiezu for VOA News, Abuja. Nigeria.
0: The White House is refraining from saying much about the search carried out by federal law enforcement at a private club and residence in Florida of former President Donald Trump, with officials there saying they were not informed in advance about the action.
6: More from VUH Chief National Correspondent Steve Herman in Washington. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre was reticent on Tuesday, responding to reporters' questions about the previous day's FBI search of Mar-a-Lago.
5: The Justice Department conducts investigations independently, and we leave any law enforcement matters to them. Uh, It would not be appropriate for us to comment on any ongoing investigations.
6: Trump, who was in New York at the time, characterized the search at his Florida property as an unannounced raid. This type of law enforcement action against a former president is unprecedented, according to Akron University political science professor David Cohen. In terms of presidents being criminally charged or even really investigated in a serious investigation, we just have no history of it in this country. There has been no comment from the FBI or the Justice Department, and the contents of the search warrant have not been revealed. Republicans in Congress are vowing to hold hearings about alleged political interference by the Justice Department if they take back control of either the House or Senate in November's midterm elections. Steve Herman, VOA News, Washington.
0: Before we leave you this morning, we here at The Voice of America are extremely distressed by the arrest of Ding Mangot, a VOA freelance journalist for our English to Africa language service on our South Sudan In Focus program over this past weekend. Mangot was covering a protest over the hardships and skyrocketing commodity prices there. She was arrested alongside the protesters in Konyo Konyo Market, as she did not have her ID or press card with her, and she was initially detained at the Malakaya police station. To obtain her release, the South Sudan Media Authority demanded a letter from BOA confirming that she is our freelance journalist, and she was there on assignment. We have provided the letter to the media authority, and we had expected word of her immediate release. However, according to a lawyer with the South Sudan Union of Journalists, Deng Mangod and five protesters were relocated to Juba Central Prison. Mangod is waiting for a court date. We are asking South Sudan authorities for immediate release of our journalists. And that's it for this Wednesday, August 10th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can watch our TV shows, Africa 54, Straight Talk Africa, and Red Copy. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa team, I'm James in Washington, wishing you will have a beautiful day.